right. Well, did anyone in here make any New Year's resolutions? Uh, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I have found that uh, New Year's resolutions, at least for me, are destined to fail within a month or two. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know why, that sort of mindset. Um, so, you know, usually in December, people start thinking about what are the things that I want to change, and I'm just trying to get into the mindset, well, why am I waiting until January to make this change? Um, so, yes, changes. Changes are, are, are happening, but not in a New Year's resolution kind of way. And I appreciated Chongo's sermon um, last Sabbath. I wasn't here. I was in Alabama with family, but I, I went back and listened to, to Chongo's sermon, and I, I appreciated the things that he had to say and um, the, the focus that he put on Jesus. So I, I guess if there's anything that I want to resolve uh, to do this year, it is to preach Christ and him crucified. Um, you know, when we get to this time of year, people are always talking about New Year's resolutions. They're talking about changes. They're talking about how, how things want, they want things to look differently, maybe from the rest of their life, maybe from just last year. And so I thought that this was a perfect opportunity to preach a sermon entitled, Change Your Mind. Change Your Mind. You know, religious folk often complain that we grace preachers don't discuss repentance enough. And it's true. I, I hardly preach about that specific topic. But then again, neither did the Apostle John. Here's something that might step on your toes a bit. Repentance is one of the most important things you will ever do, dear Christian. But John never mentions the word. Not once, not in his gospel, not in his three letters. I guess John must have been a grace preacher. I guess John understood that while repentance matters a great deal, you don't get people to repent by preaching repentance. Let me say that again. We all need to repent, but you don't get people to repent by telling them to repent. How can you say such heresy, pastor? I'll, I'll get to that answer shortly. But first, I think we need to lay some, some ground rules here. We need to lay a foundation when talking about repentance. So let me ask, which of the following is the biblical definition of repentance? Repentance means turn from sin, or repentance means change your mind. Change your mind. Change your mind. Oh, okay. He just guessed it because of the title of my sermon. <laughs> Sammy, I thought, I thought you'd studied the Greek. I thought you, you eh, it's okay. <laughs> You'll get some Greek today. Throughout my years of ministry, I've come to realize that repentance means different things to different people. But biblical repentance, it simply means change your mind. Change your mind. That's literally the definition 
of the word. The original Koine Greek word for repentance is metanoia, metanoia, and it means a changed mind. While the, the word for repent is metanoieo, and it's made up of two words, meta, meaning after, and noieo, meaning to comprehend, to understand, to change your mind. After learning something, then I understood. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin, two sides of the same coin, and both are responses to God's love and grace. Repentance and faith. Repentance is the ability to receive the truth that sets us free. It's a change of mind that causes us to see as God sees, to think as God thinks. Now, you can change your mind about anything. Change your mind about anything. I mean, maybe some of us, even this morning, we were ready to go and we changed our mind about the shoes we were gonna wear. Changed our mind about the shirt we were gonna wear. Maybe some of you watching online changed your mind about whether you wanted to get out onto some icy roads. We can change our minds about anything, but Jesus calls us to change our mind about God and believe the good news. Mark 1.15, Jesus speaking, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Biblical repentance is evidenced by turning to God, turning to God. And your definition of repentance will reveal whether you are living under grace or living under law. Your definition of repentance. In the Old Testament, sinners repented by bringing a sacrifice of penance and confessing their sins. Numbers 5, 7, then he shall confess the sin which he has committed. He shall make restitution for his trespass in full, plus one-fifth of it, and give it to the one he has wronged. But under the new covenant, we, it's still a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice of praise and a confession of his name. I don't know why this isn't changing here. There we go. Hebrews 13, 15, therefore, by him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We don't do anything to deal with our sin issue. Jesus has done it all. Our part is to believe the good news, and, to, and, and to, to, to truly believe it to the point where we are thankful and we're coming to Jesus and saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Only when we receive his gift of no condemnation are we then empowered to go and sin no more. Yet no matter how much I pre preach on grace, sometimes we can't help See the cross for our sins. I've been told that I undersell repentance. 
And what I, I believe people mean when they say that is that, Pastor, you're not telling people to turn from their sin. You're not telling them that. And it's true. I seldom get up here and do that. Because I would much rather talk about God's goodness than your badness. Just being honest. Yet often the message that we hear from pulpits is this, God is holy and he won't accept you until you turn from your sins. It's sold as a message of repentance. But it appeals to our Adam-like sense of, I can fix it since I broke it but it's utterly false. It's a lie to promote the flesh and it will keep you from Jesus. The fact of the matter is this. God is holy and he won't accept your sacrifices and offerings no matter how costly they were because God's acceptance comes by grace alone. Got a sin problem? Turn to the cross. Behold Christ. The writer of Hebrews calls us to come boldly to the throne of grace because there we can find grace and mercy to help in our greatest time of need. The grace of Christ is your only hope. Your only hope. All that said, Besides it being a misrepresentation of the original Greek word used, let's look at three reasons we should reject any teaching that defines repentance merely as turning from sin. Number one, it shackles people under the law. Shackles people under the law. Preach a message stating, turn from your sin or you're not saved and you are preaching pure law. Pure law. You're prescribing sin rejection as a means of salvation. This false gospel actually leaves sinners worse off because it empowers the sin that enslaves them while scorning the grace that would otherwise save them. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. And again, in the book of Romans, he wrote, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. The righteousness that God offers does not depend on our performance. Neither your good works nor your bad works enters the equation. The righteousness you and I need is a gift that is received by faith from first to last. As the Bible states quite plainly in Romans 1.17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It was this verse that sparked the Protestant Reformation. It started the whole thing. Where are many of our churches at now with this? 
So the first reason you should reject any message that defines repentance as merely turning from sin is because it shackles people under the law. The second reason is that it doesn't lead people to salvation. Let me give you a picture to illustrate true repentance, true change of mind. Suppose I I call you up and I give you an invitation to come to my apartment. You've never been to my apartment. You don't don't know where it is. You don't know what it looks like. And so there are two ways that I could go about directing you. I could give you my address, and I could give you an accurate picture of what my apartment looks like. That's, That's one of the ways. Or I could say, flee from your house and just drive away from it as fast as possible and don't look back. I think you see the difference. In both cases, you are guaranteed to leave your house, right? In both cases. But only by trusting my directions will you actually arrive at my apartment. Repentance is like that. Repentance isn't fleeing from sin like a Pharisee. It's turning to God in faith. In both cases, you will leave your sin but only by trusting God will you arrive someplace better than where you started. Notice how the Pharisees, they they fled from all sorts of sins in their lives. Yet the result was that they filled their empty hearts with sins, dare I say, worse than what they started with. To get people to repent, to change their minds, Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom. He painted a picture of where God wanted them to be with him here and now. And he gave them clear directions on how to get there by having faith in God. It was the same with Paul. He didn't walk into Corinth, which was at the time one of the world's most depraved cities He didn't walk into Corinth and preach, turn from sin. Instead, he preached Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2.2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. People need to hear how much God loves them. People need to hear how much God loves them. They need to hear about his unconditional favor and grace. And the best way to tell them is to reveal the finished work of the cross. When the Corinthian Christians fell into sin, even then, Paul didn't switch up and preach, turn from sin. Instead, he reminded the Corinthians of their identity in Christ. Like, y'all have already changed your mind. What's going on here? Look to Christ and remember why you changed your mind. Why you became a part of this worldwide movement. Why you became an intricate body part of this body with Christ as the head. Paul understood that grace, not dead works, is the cure for sin. So the second reason you should reject any message that defines repentance merely as turning from sin is because it doesn't lead people to salvation. 
The third reason is that we are called to preach the gospel, not repentance. Now, before Jesus began his ministry, John the Baptist preached repentance. And then throughout Jesus's ministry, there were a couple times where Jesus talked about repentance. But then, in Mark 16, which was after the cross, which was after Jesus's claim that it is finished, right before the ascension to heaven. Last words. Jesus commanded his disciples to preach the good news to everyone. That is our call. That's not just my call. That's all of our call, to take this good news message. Hopefully, this good news that has changed our minds and go and share that with others, share that with the world. Now, should we repent? I'm asking you that. Should we repent? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Of course. Honestly, I think that there should be more repentance, especially from believers. Repentance, much like prayer, it should be our lifestyle. Our lifestyle. You cannot renew your mind without repenting because remember, repenting means to change your mind. When I discover something new about the goodness of God, I repent. I change my way of thinking so that my life lines up with truth. I've gotten into the habit of personally repenting every single day. And it's marvelous. I'm not the same person I was even just a few months ago because I I decided to build this habit of repentance, of repenting, changing my mind. Repentance is one of the most important things you'll ever do. But you don't get people to repent by telling them to repent. A twisted arm is not a changed mind. Instead, give them a reason to repent. And then they'll, of their own volition, choose to repent. And that sort of mind change will last. The good news concerning the goodness, mercy, grace, forgiveness, And love of God is the perfect catalyst to change people's minds. Over 150 years ago, Charles Spurgeon broke it down in the following way in one of his sermons. And I believe that this is just as relevant today as it was then. If you trust to your faith and to your repentance, you will be as much lost as if you trusted to your good works or trusted to your sins. The ground of your salvation is not faith, but Christ. It is not repentance, but Christ. If I trust my trust of Christ, I am lost. My business is to trust Christ, to rest on him, to depend not on what the Spirit has done in me, but what Christ did for me when he did hang upon the tree. Repentance comes as a consequence of hearing the good news. Now, 
I know we've got all kinds of ideas about using fear and guilt and shame to convince people to change, but that's a fruitless endeavor, a fruitless human endeavor. It's the way of the enemy. The biblical and Christian way to lead someone to repentance, to help them change their mind is as follows. Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Far too often, I talk with Christians who through their words, actions, and beliefs do just that. Despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering. They'd rather hear messages that make people feel uncomfortable, that focus on sin, or that weigh people down with guilt. That's bad news. And as a bearer of the good news, I refuse to preach it. There are plenty of churches with preachers who will focus on those topics and use those tactics, but the Edmund Seventh-day Adventist Church is not one of them. Over and over throughout Jesus's ministry, he proved that it is possible to both edify and challenge people by preaching the good news, by telling them the good news. Itching ears go both ways. There are those who'd rather hear sermons that allow them to feel comfortable in their enslavement to sin, morality, hatred. And there are others who'd rather hear sermons that allow them to feel comfortable in their enslavement to self-righteousness and legalism. And neither set of itching ears will ever be happy with my sermons. That's okay. I'm not here to preach about anybody's desires, felt needs, or wants. I'll just be honest with you all. I'm here to preach the good news messages that Jesus lays upon my heart. So dear friends, if you want people to repent, tell them how good God is. Preach the good news. And I know that when you turn on the news, when you, when you open the newspaper, when you're flipping through channels on the TV, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of good news out there. It seems like everything's falling apart. It seems like everything is just bad, bad, bad. But I assure you, there is good news. There is good news. I like what Sarah said when she, she was talking about, yes, it's been a, a rough last year. It's been a rough last two years, right? Lots of things to complain about, lots of things to be hurt over, lots of things to be upset about, but are we willing to change our minds and to realize that, yes, the devil is working hard, but to change our minds to accept the truth, the fact that God is working harder, that maybe there are blessings that come out of the hard moments. There are blessings that come out of those ugly interactions. God has so loved the world as to give his only begotten son. That's good news. Our sins, though they are red as crimson, can be made whiter than snow. That's good news. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's good news. He that comes to Jesus 
will in no way be cast out. That's good news. Jesus told us to come to him, and he would give us rest. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired. And that's, that's good news. That's good news. We can have rest if we come to our Savior. That is an offer of rest, a free gift that he is offering. How can we refuse it? The king himself is offering it to us. God loves you. He died for you. And he offers you his righteousness. Do you believe it? God's power for salvation, for your forgiveness, healing, for your deliverance and provision is revealed in the good news of grace. Do you believe it? All the blessings of God come to us by grace alone. Do you believe it? Faith, repentance, two sides of the same coin. Repentance, like faith, is a positive response to something that God has done or said. It's a changing of the mind. John, the gospel writer and apostle, said little about repentance, but he wrote about believing over and over. He even went so far as to explain why he even took the time to write his gospel letter. John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The key to life is not turning from sin, but it's trusting in Jesus. You want others to repent? Then preach the gospel that reveals the goodness of God. Use words if necessary. Jesus has paid it all. Repent and believe is simply the ancient way of saying, change your mind and accept salvation. It's my hope and prayer that we all would do just that. But for now, I'm gonna invite Sarah Shepherd to come forward and stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge for today. And after the benediction, you who wish can be dismissed, but if there's anybody here that has any special needs, special concerns, please come talk to us. We'd love to pray with you, and we would love to lift those petitions to the throne of God. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we need our minds changed. There's so much in the world to keep us focused on negativity, bad, to feel hopeless about. But Lord, there is good news out there. And that good news will help us change our mind, not just about the world, but Lord, about you. May we come to love you deeply. May we come to accept the grace that you have offered the grace that breaks the shackles of sin and frees us to then go and spread this message with others. Lord, change our minds, change our hearts. 
Help us to repent and believe. And Lord, give us opportunities to share this message with the world. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.